Hello and welcome to Financial Education Foundation. My name's Warren Shute and I'm here to say don't let the stamp duty holiday overstretch your finances. This episode has been sponsored by Idealo, the price comparison website. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Don't let the stamp duty holiday overstretch your finances. Um, property prices. Property prices move on supply and demand. You know, if you've got a booming economy, if you've got low interest rates to cheap mortgages, you've got a demand for property, property prices will increase. But since the introduction of the additional stamp duty on second properties, 3% back in 2016, the change in taxation on buy-to-lets has made it more um, unattractive in 2017, house prices have stabilised. They're not booming like they were in the past. Um, so much so that in the last five years, we've seen a 16% rise on average across the UK in property prices versus a 55% rise in the world stock market. Now, put that into some other perspective, inflation is being about 13% over the same period. So inflation, just keeping pace with um, prices, is 13. The house prices, on average across the UK, are 16. It's there or thereabouts. So house prices definitely have slowed. Last 12 months, Nationwide have said about 1.5% rise in property prices. Now, I don't think we're in for a property crash. In the UK, we've got demand for our properties, but it's not booming. And that's what Rishi, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, wants to change. He wants to get the property market going. Because in the UK, weirdly, it's almost like a bellwether of the economy, which I just don't get my head around. It's crazy. Why does it matter? You know, what we really need is cheaper properties to get the first-time buyers onto the market. But no, the government want to stoke the fire and they want to get those cheap properties elevated in price so the first-time buyers pay even more. Why? It's crazy stuff. But what's the stamp duty? Anyway, let's go back and have a bit of a recap. Stamp duty is a tax you pay on the purchase of many different assets and property prices is one of them. That's what we're going to focus on. So you don't pay the old rules where you would pay no stamp duty if the property was up to 125,000, really there to stimulate the lower end of the market. Then it was 2% on the next 125, so taking up 250. And then it was 5%, so it was a big jump on the next 675,000. Then 10% on the next 575,000, so that takes you up to one and a half million. And then over one and a half million, you pay 12%. Uh, it, it, it's just scandalous. Now, you might be listening to this and think, well, if you could afford to buy a house for one and a half million, you deserve to pay 12%. I don't think anyone deserves to pay 12% on a property price, especially when you're going to pay tax on it when you die on inheritance tax. But that's a whole new discussion point altogether. So you can see it was getting progressively more aggressive higher up the market to slow down the high end of the market. Now, an example of this would be if you bought a house for £275,000, the stamp duty you'd pay would be nothing on the first one twenty-five. You'd pay 2% on the next one twenty-five, so £2,500, and you'd pay 5% on the final 25000 so another £1,250,000. So you'd end up paying £3,750. So what's changed? So the Chancellor announced um, back at the previous budget that there'd be no tax on the first £500,000. So that was all purchases from the 8th of July going through all the way to the 31st of March. 
Okay, so for the first £500,000, there's zero stamp duty. Then it goes into the same bounds as previously. So on the next 425, it's 5%, just as I just went through. Next 575, taking it at 1.5 million, 10%, and then over 1.5 million, it's 12%. And there's still that 3% there for second or additional property. So buy, select landlords, second homes, that kind of thing. But you've got to look at this thing, well, should I be taking advantage? Should I do this? Is it attractive? Now, in the investment world, we say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. And what we mean by that is don't make an investment just because the tax breaks are there. Make it because it's the right investment. Now, technically, your home isn't an investment because it doesn't provide you an income um, during your lifetime. But I do view it as an asset of yours because I like you to build your main home up and then eventually... When you get to retirement, most people will downsize. And the great thing at the moment is we can downsize, we can release tax-free equity, which is amazing. So you buy your house now, you enjoy it with your family, you might upscale it, upscale it. Hopefully over your life, working life, you'll pay off the mortgage. So when you get to your retirement years, and not too late, we've done this already, so don't get too old, you downsize, you release that tax-free equity, you buy your retirement home, and then you've got money to enjoy. So I do like house purchases, okay? Although I'm not fixed on them. I do like house purchases, but I'm not sure right now is the right time for you to be upscaling if there's an economic winter coming, okay? There's been a lot of talk in the press about unemployment rates rising. Um, we've seen some real big names, okay? So these are headline figures, big names that I've read out in the press. British Airways up to 12,000 staff, EasyJet 5,000 staff, uh, Royal Mail 2,000, Upper Cross owner SSP 5,000, Airbus 1700, Rolls Royce 1500, Next 150, Virgin Money 300, and Harrods 700. They were just some names that I could find in a quick Google search, looking at some data of saying who are laying off workers or are going through the process or have said, actually, we are considering cutting our workforce by this amount. And there's no mum and pop businesses, high street SME, small businesses in there. You know, how are the high street retailers getting on? That kind of thing. You know, it, 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 it's, it's <clears throat> economic winter, okay? Now, you could have the mindset of economic winter thinking, oh my God, I hate winter, I love summer, this is going to be disastrous. Or you could say, hey, it's going to snow, I'm going to put my skis on and I'm going to have a good time. You know, you're going to make snowmen in the garden, play around, have fun with your children, or you're going to weep and moan about the whole thing. <laughs> I'm smiling here because I'm the guy who weeps and moans about the whole thing, I hate winter. But anyway, that's another story altogether. What I need you to do is just beware of what's coming or potentially what's coming because no one knows what the future holds and be prepared for it. And you can weather the storm. Now, the thing is, you need to look at your expenses and say, right, can I cut my expenses? So look at your, your expenditure. Um, take on my bank account system. So have one account for your bills. Pay yourself a weekly amount into your WAM account. Um, have your emergency reserve. Go through your bills. Do I need this? Do I want this? Can I get a similar experience for less? You know, go through, shop online, try and use your, um, cut your utilities down, look at your mobile phone packages, look at your TV packages, look at it, get yourself nice and lean financially, get yourself financially fighting fit. Then um, set yourself up with a weekly wham, so you've got that set aside, so you know what you're spending there, um, and also have some money in reserves. And we want you to have about six months of your expenditure. And let me explain why. 
If you are one of the employees from British Airways, EasyJet, Royal Mail, Upper Crossona, Airbus, Rolls-Royce, Next, Virgin Money, Harrods, whoever, you're not going to be in financial dire straits. You're going to be shook, you know, but you're going to be strong. You've got six months of your expenditure behind you, and then you've got six months to then get yourself back on the employment ladder. Now, for most of you, it won't take six months, but it could. If unemployment rates keep rising and it does get quite tricky, you will be in a safer place. So that's what I need you to do. I need you to look at your expenditure. Do I need this? Do I want this? Can I get a similar experience for less? Set up the bank account system. So you have one account, all of your spending items come out of it. You have a second account, which you called your WAM. You pay yourself weekly on a Wednesday. That's where all, all, that means everything, of your variable expenditure comes out of. <clears throat> and then you have another account for your emergency reserve. And I'd like that to be kept in um, premium bonds. I like premium bonds. Who cares what everyone else says? They're backed by the treasury, they're safe. This is not an investment. The outcome of that money is to keep you safe. It's an insurance policy, okay? Um, your rough ratios to give you an idea of where everything goes, about 50% of your net income should go towards um, uh, your household bills, so your bills account, covering your mortgage or your utilities, that kind of thing. Roughly about 30% of your net income should go towards your WAM, so general spending, variable spending needs, that kind of thing, so everything from grocery shopping to buying your Costa Coffee, Starbucks. And then about 20% of your money should be going towards, firstly, um, building up your emergency reserve, paying down your debt, and saving for your future. Now, they're parameters, okay? They're not absolutes. If you're like 52 uh, percent in your household bills because of certain things that have gone in your own family, that's fine. But it gives you some kind of guidance on how to manage your money. 50, 30, 20. Household bills, general variable spending and savings and debt repayment. Get yourself ready for economic winter. You can have a great time during this period or you're going to struggle. But if you are moving, hey, you're a first-time buyer, you've saved your deposit, you know, you want to move, then just do it sensibly. I've got five things for you. There's a big save this week. Five things you need to know if you are going to move at this current time. Number one, ensure you have your expenditures before you move in. And what I mean by that is make sure you know what you're going to spend before you move in. So look at your household bills as if you were living there. What is your mortgage going to be? What do you think your water is going to be? What do you think your electric is going to be? What do you think your gas or oil or whatever it might be is going to be? Let's have a look. Make sure you've got that. Make sure you can afford that. And ask yourself, do I need this or want this? Can I get a similar experience for less? Can I shop around and see if I can get a cheaper rate based on that po postcode of that property um, and keep your expenditures nice and lean so you know what it is? Does it fit 50% of your income? Okay. Second thing, before you move, Make sure you've got six months of your expenditure saved in premium bonds based on the new expenditure. Make sure you've got that money in reserve so that if you move in and then week number two you get hit with some terrible news, your life isn't a disaster. You're going to weather the storm. <clears throat> um, look through your, shop around for your utilities. You know, make sure you can get lower utilities. It's a great commodity. You know, prices are low at the moment. There are so many features and facilities out there for you to save. It's a great opportunity for you to save money and a great area for you to save money. Um, consider before you move all the additional costs that you're going to have for moving. You know, your removal costs, maybe a clean when you get there, any decoration, any household work you want to do when you're in the property. 
You know, make sure you've got all those things covered. Now, I know this is a big burden to me saying, okay, you're just making it harder for me to move, Warren. It's not that. I just know that we're still in the furlough scheme. After the furlough scheme, your employer may not directly be affected, but indirectly. So if people that they shop to need to cut back or they sell to need to cut back, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a ripple effect. So if I'm selling widgets to a company, but they're laying people off because they can't buy, uh, sell as many widgets, and you're the producer of the widgets, your employer might lay people off. It's a ripple effect. And I just want you to be careful and just make sure that you are protected for this economic storm. Okay, let's hope I'm wrong and there's nothing like it and we all go out skiing and have a great time. Um, but it's not, it doesn't hurt to be prepared. So some other things in the news. Uh, not only have we been paying some good stuff, really. So not only are we paying off more on our credit cards um, during lockdown, we've been withdrawing less from our pensions too. According to the Association of British Insurers, um, the year end of April showed that 42% fewer of us were taking out more money from our pensions and 53% fewer of us, it's an odd way of saying it, isn't it, uh, were taking less tax-free cash. So basically, roughly half of us were taking less money out of our pensions. We were taking less money out of our pensions, therefore we're spending less. And look at the knock-on effect. You know, one man's spending is another man's income. And it do, we're all uh, linked that way. I'll do a whole session on the economy and how I view it. Um, some good news um, for power of attorney. So if you are an attorney, so power of attorneys, lasting power of attorneys are documents that give you the ability to make decisions on somebody else's behalf. I believe everyone over 18 should have a power of attorney. So if you're an attorney and you're looking after, generally speaking, parents or elderly relatives or family members or friends because they're lo they've lost capacity, you can now register your attorney with the online um, digital platform and it allows you access to banks and different facilities a lot easier and quicker. If you are an attorney, you'll appreciate how important this is. Sometimes it's quite difficult and time-consuming getting your attorney registered and notified so that you can actually use it. A new facility from Oxford Public Garden does this digitally. So it's new. I'm not using myself. I'm sure it's going to be a bit of teething and more and more people come on board and using it. Um, this is not to do with writing new power of attorneys. They still are paper-based or online form-filling. Um, but this is for the use of a power of attorney, which is great news, great news. So we had some readers' questions in um, this week. Uh, first question came from a young man, and he said, my mother kindly left me the family home in her will. For the past, past couple of months, uh, the property has been on the market, but been unable to sell. Kind of links in with the stamp duty thing, right? Um, I'm one for looking ahead. And potentially could take, uh, feels that the economy could take a very negative turn by the end of October when people come off furlough, not to mention the effects of Brexit in December. So my conundrum is, if I'm unable to sell, should I release some equity out of the property, needs a little modernising, and I could do with the capital because my business has been hit? Um, <clears throat> and if I do that and I keep it, when I sell, am I going to be lumped with capital gains tax? If it's going to be empty, yes, let's let it. Otherwise, it's a liability. It's costing you money to maintain because you've got to keep it up. You've got to insure it. You've got to pay um, costs and keeping it um, in good repair. It's a liability. It's not an asset. So I would prefer you to sell it and exit it from it. But if it's not going to sell, I don't need to give the asset away. So why don't we let it? 
you can let the property out. Um, but the whole thing about raising capital against it because your business is struggling, I struggle with that bit. I, I'd rather you didn't borrow against it, um, if I'm honest, because um, I just don't want you to borrow money. I want you to, you know, cut your cloth. You've got the rental income coming in now, um, or you will do if you rent it out. So there's a bit of supplementary income and um, keep the house under review. And then when the market picks up, then exit the property that way. Uh, your capital gains um, thing, because you inherited it from your mum, your base price, your um, acquisition costs effectively is the probate value when you inherited the property. So make a note of that and keep records for that. And then you'll pay capital gains on the difference between that price and the sale price. So you calculate the gain there. Um, if that, after allowable capital expenditure, things like home improvements, things like that, you've uh, and sale costs, so solicitor's costs and things like that when you're selling it. <clears throat> if there's a gain over 12,000 pounds, because that's your allowance, then there's a capital gains tax liability. Uh, the thing is with the um, uh, capital gains tax, if you own it jointly with a spouse or civil partner, um, you've got two capital gains tax allowances there, so that's 24,000. So if you only own it in your name right now, it might be good to do an equity transfer uh, with a conveyancer or solicitor, just so you own it in joint names um, as tenants in common. Um, and then when you sell it, you can spread the gain between the two of you. Second reader question is, do I need a will? Now, if you've listened to these um, recordings before, you know how passionate I am about making sure people have got power of attorneys and wills. So do I need a will? Um, short answer is yes. You know, I, I think I said so far too many of us don't have one. If nothing else, it makes sense for the administration of your estate so that you don't leave um, things untidy uh, when you pass away. Taking it on to a next step further, something I'm really passionate about is that if you have minor children, you document within your will who will be the guardians of those children. If you do not decide Social services will care for your children until the courts are able to decide who would be an appropriate adult to be their carer. Now, logic might say to you that seems strange. Surely my mum, my sister, my best friend, whoever it might be, my brother, would be the guardian of my children or our children if we passed away. It's not the case. On day one, social services look after them. Then the courts will decide. I'm sure they would do it very quickly. I'm sure social services would do a fantastic job. But hey, if they just lost their mum and their dad, is it the kind of thing that they want, you want them to go through? So as an appropriate adult, as a responsible parent, go and get yourself a will um, and make sure you do it properly. Um, this week, the smarter spender. So the smarter spender is a section of me sort of saying, hey, where's the money going? Um, what's going cheap this week? And what are people buying? So, hey, I'm not one of these people who thinks spending money is bad. I enjoy spending money. I think spending money is a nice thing. It, it keeps our economy going. And for a lot of people, it brings a lot of enjoyment and happiness. Okay, We get a dopamine boost when we buy something. Uh, rewards us. It's quite exciting. Um, so spending money isn't a bad thing. Spending other people's money is. What I mean by that is spending on credit cards or borrowing money to do that. Or spending money you don't have. So if you're spending money that really should be used for the food shopping or pay the mortgage or your rent, that's wrong. And that's why one of my foundation pieces is the bank out system. So you have the household bills and you have the wham and you get paid weekly. So you have the variable money there. So if you haven't done it already, please implement that. It's a great system. So spending money isn't bad, but spend wisely. So we team up with a company called Idelo. Idelo is probably one of my favorite websites. Idelo allows you to search the internet and find really, really good deals. And I use it 
all the time. I don't just saying that. I used it way before they sponsored this show. Um, and um, I really believe in it. I think it's a fantastic thing. My kids use it. What I really love about IDLO is the price history charts. So you can type in on there and say, okay, I'm interested in a um, PlayStation 4, PS4 game. And this is the game I want. And it'll say, okay, well, actually, this game is coming down in price. Uh, Nikki and I, my wife, have been together 25 years this year. Perfume is actually 35% cheaper this week than last week. So maybe I'll go out and buy some perfume. You never know. Um, fitness clothes, 17% down, which is pretty cool. I think summer's here. Um, people are getting out and about and doing a lot more. Um, beard and hair trimmers are down 9% last week. Now, I think with the locks that I'm getting here, Nikki would like, will probably prefer me to buy some beard trimmers and the hair trimmers rather than the perfume. But, hey, we can't have everything. <clears throat> Um, what are people thinking about buying this week? Um, school bags. So Idealo has lots and lots of price data, um, what people spend the money on and where they spend it, that kind of thing. And one of the things they can do is they can look at shopping data. And August is usually the most popular month of the year to buy school bags. Kind of makes sense, right? Because kids go back to school in September, we hope. Um, so they need new school bags. But hey, before you go rushing off to buy your school bag, just think, you probably only had one or two terms out of the last one. Could it stretch over? Do they need a new school bag or do they just want a new school bag? So just give that some consideration. Um, electric toothbrushes as well. So August, who would know it? August is actually the cheapest month to buy an electric toothbrush. Um, I love my electric toothbrush. I use it every morning and every night. And hey, maybe it's time to invest in a new one. We'll wait and see. see what the prices are like. Um, and bikes. I do think people will be buying bikes um, this week, which you know, with the government's... Um, fix your bike voucher um if you're not aware of that the government had an initiative where they were given a 50 pound voucher to people who applied online to fix up their bike uh, the website for that was fix your bike voucher scheme.est.org.uk so it's a long one but um if you google fix your bike voucher est um, I'm sure it will come up. They were given £50 vouchers. It's actually full. It's been fully allocated right now. There was a fixed number of vouchers. I don't know how many. Um, it's been fully allocated. So um, you could take the voucher, take it to an approved repairer, and then fix your bike up. Um, I actually fixed my bike up just before summer. Um, and uh, I've only been on it once, I think. It's a bit bad. I probably should get out on it again. But, um, yeah, bikes... Can't get them for love nor money. Would love to go and get a new bike for my son. Uh, my bike's fine, but um, can't get one for love nor money. So uh, maybe that will change. Hopefully, hopefully. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Money Planner. Um, it's my aim just to keep you abreast of what's going on, to give you some indication of what I think is going to happen in the coming weeks and months ahead. Um, and it's just my opinions, all right. But um, I've been doing this 25 years, and uh, you know, history leaves clues, I believe. Um, please send in your questions. Um, I enjoy reading every single one of them. Um, and I do mention every single one of them, um, or reply to every single one of them at least. I do try to uh, read out every single one if I can, but sometimes there's too many. Um, one thing I am doing, if you've made it this far, to the sh far into the show, one thing I, you might be interested in is I am running a coaching session. So using Zoom, I will be running money coaching sessions um, throughout the next, say, four to six weeks. Um, it's really to help stimulate people back into the mindset of money um they're actually basically going to be free i am actually going to ask for a com uh, a donation 25 pounds and i'll be giving that 25 pounds to charity now the reason in they're not completely free is i have a very strong belief that we don't value things that we don't pay for 
because there's no risk to you. There's no effort. And with coaching, although I can facilitate the change, you're doing the work. I can show you what to do. I can guide you what to do. I can take the horse to water, but I can't make it drink. So you're going to have to do it. I can get you the right mindset. I can get you the right um, strategies, but you're going to have to follow those through. Um, so I want you to part with some cash. Now, I promise you I can show you the receipt for every donation going into charity. I'm not looking to make a single penny out of it myself, but there will be a £25 fee, which is really nominal. It's going to be an hour coaching session. Um, I normally charge £250 an hour. So you can see relatively it's going to be very, very cheap. Um, I'm sure I have to limit it. I'll probably do it one day a week, somewhere on a Friday or something. Um, but if you are interested, message me. Um, we'll get you booked up because um, they're going to be great. They're going to be good fun. And you see some massive change. We'll start with values of money, um, which is a very powerful area. Um, because you get your mindset right, get the, the software right in your head, everything else just slips into place. Um, and unfortunately, um, a lot of us are working with outdated software. Um, it's not our own fault. We've never been shown how to do anything different. But um, yeah, message me uh, at Warren Shoot uh, or send me an email, warren at warrenshoot.com and we'll get that plugged in. So until next time, stay safe, have fun, enjoy this beautiful weather and uh, I look forward to speaking to you in a week's time. Take care.